This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Six Rings. The dynasty continues. And football things. The X, the Z, vertical routes. I love football, man. With your host, Andy Hart. Well, Andy Hart is a football genius. I'm not going to pretend I sit down and watch the All-22. Next question, Andy Hart, please. Nick Fitzy Stevens. Is that Fitzy with you this morning? Absolutely not, Fitzy. This just in, I'm dead inside. And Chris Shine. Derek Carr, however, is a guy I would ride tonight. I think Matt Patricia's a boob. Welcome back to another Six Rings and Football Things podcast. We are in the midst of Patriots training camp, fresh off the practice field from day six of workouts. They had a day off on Sunday. The last two days have been in full pads. I'm Andy Hart. I've been there for, well, five of the six sessions. I'll be honest with you, I wasn't there Saturday. <laughs> He's Chris Scheim. Fitzy is on vacation, but we will not let there be a lapse in our Six Rings coverage of the summer. Because the reality is, Chris, football season's here. There is a there's a preseason game on Thursday, the Hall of Fame game. The Patriots are a little more than a week away from their own preseason opener. We are in the midst of fans in Foxborough loving slash questioning the offense, the defense. Like I feel like we have hit the ground rolling here. Yeah, I uh, I, it's definitely football season. Like as much as I hate wishing summer away because it's my yeah. favorite time of the year, it's the beginning of August and football is starting this Thursday night. The Hall of Fame game kicks off Thursday night. We get Jaguars and Raiders, which you know may not be the biggest game of the year, but you know what? Hell, it's football. Um, I'm excited for one. I was talking to Mutt about it this morning. You know, you know me. I'm a podcast hoe at this point, so I'm all around the place. Yeah. So talking to Mutt on my other podcast and. And we're just elated, excited. It's it's the smell of football is in the air and it is uh, it is exhilarating. Yeah, well, when we get into the discussion of the Patriots, I'm not sure what that smell is. And so what we're going to do here to kick off this six rings is we're going to play a little game kind of herd slash saw. And where Chris hasn't been at camp, but obviously has been keeping up with all the coverage coming out of camp, the blogs, the tweets, the writings, the reports, everything. And I was down there for five of the six workouts. And I'll be honest with you. There's some things that I know is, is being put out there that I agree with. There are some things that I disagree with. So Chris is going to kind of lob up some things that he's taken in from afar. And then I'm going to let you know what I think about those things and react to those things. So shine time, try to keep it semi-positive to the, to start, but what yep. do you got? So my good, I'm going to try and keep unbiased questions, just questions directed at you, toss okay. them up to you. Okay. So here's the first one is, is I'm getting mixed signals about the offense. Mm. Some moments I'm getting glowing reports about receivers or certain plays, but then overall I'm getting reports that things seem clunky and things seem rough. Um, what have you seen so far with the Mac Jones led offense and Matt Patricia led offense? Okay. So. I'm going to start not with my opinion, but with uh, an opinion of a media member. I'm not going to give his name, but I'll just tell you he's very respected and he tends to to sort of be on the positive fact based side of things. Doesn't take part in hot takes. Doesn't get all negative like Chris Scheim. Yep. So it's not <laughs> Greg Bedard. <laughs> nope. And so on the practice field today, he says to me, starting to get a little worried or concerned. And I go about what? And he says, everything. <laughs> And I go, yeah, I'm with you, but I'm usually like that. I'm the negative one. To hear it come from this person was a little more eye-opening. Uh, the Patriots offense has struggled through six practices. It has shorts and T-shirts, 
I wrote a column actually on our website, kind of giving them the pass because I was like, well, really, that's seven on seven. They're not really built for that. They don't have the elite athletes, these guys that are just going to be like, boom, boom, catch, boom. You know, like you watch. Yeah. I keep saying Cam Newton's seven on seven team, whatever that team is. He runs out of like Georgia, Atlanta, the, that area. They're built for seven on seven. They're some of the best athletes around. Bingo. We know the Patriots aren't, whether you deem it with your own eyes, whether you read these ESPN lists where they rank everybody. They don't have an elite receiver. They barely had a tight end make the list. They don't have like these elite playmaking running backs. Their quarterback, quite frankly, is not a dynamic athlete. He's a facilitator. So, okay, they struggle in shorts, T-shirts, seven-on-seven action the first four days. Well, okay, well, now the pads are on and they're still struggling. The run game is not finding any holes to run through. Ooh, I can literally pick on like one hand the, the number of times I've seen a nice hole open up for somebody to run through. More often than not, they're getting stuffed by the defensive front in the backfield. And the passing game has looked uh, inept at times, has Ooh, looked boy. high school caliber at times, oh, where the, the best play they had for a while was like a sprint out right pass where they hit the uh, running back in the flat five yards, which is like literally high school 101 football. Yeah, spider Y banana. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And then these other things you read about, because you still have people doing stats. Oh, Mac went 16 of 21 and threw a touchdown. Well, I'm just going to tell you, a lot of those plays are broken plays, plays that took seven, eight, nine, ten seconds to take place where Mac is rolling out backside, pointing to a receiver to like make a move because the, the route's already dead with the, the, the yeah. route he was originally and then lobbing it across the field or throwing across his like I would deem it unsustainable, not realistic, not how Mac is going to make his money. There's also been Mac scrambles where the crowd goes nuts. So I've seen a lot of Kyrie like tweeting, like Mac moving. Like it seems like he's quote unquote working on his kind of like off schedule approach where it's like, not everything's going to plan. And, but is that by design or is that because the rest of the team is struggling so poorly? I know we're not on video, but I'm shaking my head vehemently. (laughs) They're just not getting open. Like guys are not getting open. The routes, the combinations, the reads. That was the the worry when they didn't get a legit number one receiver. That was the worry. So, so I, so I, to clarify though, is this, so I know Bedard in particular, not to bring his name up again, but his, his written about how the new scheme looks rough. Now, is it the, is it just learning a new scheme? Is this a new offense that the Patriots are developing? Is it that out the Patriots are just struggling in offense, period? Or is it because the defense is playing really well? Um, sure, you could spin it towards the defense. Now, I happen to think it's, I've used the phrase, Fitzy doesn't like it. Instead of uh, iron sharpening iron, we have jello softening jello. I think you have two, two units that may not be all that good out there competing. Um, that makes sense. Some guys have made some plays on defense, some that that, but the opportunity was there to make the play because, for example, today, just this is just a minor example, but they were doing one on ones, receivers, defensive backs. Uh, Nelson Aguilar toasted Terrence Mitchell, who's been taking reps opposite Jalen Mills. Looks like he has a shot to maybe be your one of your top two starting corners. Toasted him. He's got a five yard, and Mac underthrows it, gives Mitchell time to catch up and knock the ball away. Like, there just haven't been enough plays made by the offense whether whether it's physical plays where I just dominate you or scheme get somebody open there's been too many mistakes like there was one maybe day two or day three where Jacoby Myers boom 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 wiggle boom breaks to the outside except he and Mac weren't on the same page so Jacoby Myers now wide open on an outcut like four yards from Jalen Mills the one problem is Mac threw it directly to Jalen Mills so I I think there's communication issues I think there are maybe some – we spoke with Mac Jones today, and I will say I'll be blogging about this later on WEI.com, so by the time people hear this, they can read about it as well. Mac was um, Mac was a little down. Mac was down on Saturday. He threw a pick six to pretty much close out practice to, to Kyle Duggar, and he was clearly frustrated with himself in the offense today. He said, yeah, I'm frustrated because – this is competition and we're at practice. So the only thing I can compete with is our defense. And that was a day where we lost to our defense and that's a lost day. And he said something about feels like getting shot in the heart or something like he he's taking it hard. And he did wow. reference the new offense, you know, learning the new offense, figuring things out. But he also referenced it's not rocket science and we need to figure it out. We need to pick up the pace here. We have good coaches. He continues to put, 
faith in the coaching staff. The first time he talked to us in camp, he was talking about he loves the open conversation with Joe Judge and Matt Patricia. And I know Matt Patricia said it's a divide and conquer. We have a bunch of guys that can stand in front of the room, different areas of expertise, and it's all great. It isn't great on the practice field. And Mm. I include the run game in there. Now, I think your boy Bedard, let's bring him up for a third time. Um, (laughs) Third time's a charm, right? I believe he described it as an abject failure. Mm-hmm. probably a little extreme this early seems a little early even i'm at i'm a negative nancy and that even seems a little early to yes. me. but i will say they have some work to be done because there is a transition here if this were josh mcdaniel's offense i'd say you'll figure it out they've done it before they've been doing this for 10 years this isn't this is the belichick patricia judge offense so we yep. knew there was going to be a growing period but you're spinning you're fred flintstone you're running in place. At some point, you need to get start moving forward and, and pushing yeah. the car forward because, as I said, you only have three preseason games now. One is little more than a week away. Like the time, the, the Dolphins are coming. The Dolphins are coming to steal from Paul Revere. <laughs> now, um, so we're talking about the quote unquote new offense. Yeah. Are you identifying more like zone runs or does it look similar to what you've always known? But they're just telling you it's a new playbook because it's now the Belichick Patricia judge playbook. Well, I think the bulk of it is the streamlined terminology. A lot of the players have said that it's terminology more than anything else. Sim- streamlined, like yeah. things, things making more sense. It sounds like some word associations that didn't used to be logical. Like you high school, one-on-one football is like, rip and liz if i say r it means right if i say left it sounds like they may have had like rip meant middle and you're like wait a minute that's an r word shouldn't an m word mean middle like some of that and it's like on defense defense is calling mango mango that's man it's very like it's it's like keep it simple keep it simple stupid (laughs) we don't need to outthink now i know some people andrew callahan others have been trying to ascertain is is this an offshoot of the shanahan offense now is it an offshoot of the mcveigh offense and they're doing bunch formations yeah, they've always done bunch formation. Like, I don't know where they're yeah. going to go. Like, to where you started, they often try a lot of stuff in the summer. They're not only putting in their base, they're putting in new stuff. And then, well, you know what? We don't like that. It doesn't work. It doesn't suit our personnel. We'll go in a different direction. The zone running, yeah. Are they doing some zone runs? Sure. I would say none of the runs have been productive. Nothing they've done running the ball basically has been productive. Um, but they've done zone runs in the past that I've seen with the Patriots. So I don't know where it's going to like sort of zero in on. Yeah. And I also think that people uh, trying to ascertain if it's going to be the Shanahan offense need to dial it back a little bit. I'm just going to say it because it's not going to be the Shanahan offense. Like, and if it was the Shanahan offense, it, they wouldn't be simplifying things. Things would be getting more difficult. Like the reason Shanahan is so picky about who he plays and why he plays these random guys is because he doesn't give a rat's behind about talent. He just wants you to do what he tells you to do. Because right. that's how his offense is designed. It's designed like a science. Um, so if they were going more Shanahan-esque, it would not be simpler. It would be much more complicated. It's a, there's a whole reason why guys like Matt Ryan and Kirk Cousins in their first year in the offense struggle, but the, in their second year, like, explode, right? And so to assume, like, to just assume that you're going to a Shanahan-style offense to me where things are getting – but all of a sudden also things are getting simpler, that doesn't – those two things don't make sense. Um, so I, I think those people need to step back and, and understand the bigger picture. Correct. And 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 I'm not sure they know what the big picture is right now. Like they're No, still I don't think anybody themselves. does. Um, like the first answer from Mac Jones today, they just sent out the transcript, so I want to touch on a couple of his comments. Perfect. Um, where are you guys two days into padded practice was the question. It also included, we see you running a lot. That doesn't seem like, you know, where the offense wants to be. And he says, I think we have a lot of room to grow here. The goal for me is to not run the ball and throw it. Like he's admitting that's not our offense. We don't want to be doing that. Um, and he, another answer, I think we're all just trying to learn and figure it out and move along at the end of the day, it's a player's job to execute. They've done a good job explaining each play, and it's our job to go out there and execute. But that idea that we're trying and we're trying to figure out what is going on here, I think, is the theme. Like they, yeah. they haven't gotten to where they're comfortable on the practice. They don't have field. an identity, is what it feels like. No, and and two days into padded practice, 
that's probably for a team with a new coaching staff on offense, a new coordinator, well, exactly. whatever. Like for years, it was forget McDaniels. The identity was Tom Brady. And then Tom Brady leaves, and there's still at least some continuity because the identity is the Josh McDaniels offense. Now right. both of those things are gone. You need to figure out, especially with a second-year quarterback, which is difficult enough, you need to then figure out exactly what your identity is. And I just I don't think right now they know exactly what that is. And as I said earlier about the Saturday pick six, disappointment, frustrated. I care a lot about football. We all do. It's very competitive. And when we lose the day, quote unquote, to me, that's like a shot in the heart. It's like we lost the game. So like they're competing out there and he's not happy with the results. He isn't. And we've talked a little bit about this, that he's in a no lose situation, because if they do struggle, a lot of people are going to say, well, the team's not that good around him, and this coaching staff is questionable. Like, he might be the third guy to sort of be criticized, third on the list of questions or yep. problems. But he's not going to look at it that way. Like, this is year two of his career, year two yeah. jump, and critical year. I want to be good. Hey, I made the Pro Bowl last year. I want to advance and improve. As he said, he's taken ownership of the offense. So if, the, if he's taken ownership and the offense stinks, he feels like he stinks, whether he yeah. really believes it's his fault or not. So, um I think there are a lot of questions with the offense right now. And we knew, we knew coming in the story of camp and into the season was going to be the offense, max 100%. development, the coaches. So we're getting what we expected. I'll be honest. It is, it has been less productive and less good than I expected in terms of the offense. Um, yeah. But I did want to say, I want to spin it positive a little here. Ooh, let's so see. I would say individually, you can pick out guys on the offense that are looking good. So from my perspective, the guy, one of the guys in particular that sounds good is Devontae Parker. He has been good, not great, I will say. He has okay. shown the ability, certainly got off to a nice start the first couple days in the non-padded work, um, really made some nice contested catches, has made some nice catches down the sideline on like deep balls, so to speak, um, has caught the ball well. Certainly brings a physical presence. I'm in, interested to see where that goes. There was one day, I believe it was Terrence Mitchell. They were in a red zone drill, and Mitchell was not going to let him release to the outside. Forced him inside, shoved him like they're kind of going at it. Parker still got to the outside, caught the ball, touchdown from Mac Jones. So I'm intrigued with what he brings to this mix. Um, yep. Everybody's so talked about him fitting in, like the players, teammates. Like There's been a positive there. Good. But I'll tell you, he's not the best wide receiver they've had through the first six days of camp. Okay, so my uh, my inside source, he may be under 10 years old, believes it's uh, Nelson Aguilar breakout season. Well, your 10-year-old inside source uh, is dead on right now. Nelson wow. Aguilar really good, really to, good. He's going he's gonna to love to hear that. I'm going to tell him tomorrow. He, I don't know where it'll go. I hope it's a breakout year. I hope he lives up because it's funny. Everybody would like him gone because of his contract and he wasn't very good last year. And I love those stories when everybody wants a guy gone. And then in the end, you're like, huh, boy, am I glad that guy's not gone. He's pretty <laughs> damn good. Um, uh -huh. Nelson Aguilar has looked really, really good, pretty consistently for six days to open camp. And, you know, it wasn't shorts and t-shirts or then not pads or vice versa. Um, I'll tell you one thing, one-on-one -on -one drills, and I don't remember this standing out last year, he effing shakes guys like you wouldn't believe. He embarrasses really? guys, just absolutely gets off the line and leaves a guy like, you know, broke his ankle, so to speak, for like the basketball term. It's so has this, has this been against guys like Terrence Mitchell, or is he getting paired up with guys farther down the depth chart because of Devontae Parker and Kendrick Bourne? Funny you said that. Because the first time I noticed it on like day two, maybe even day one, it was one-on-ones and he absolutely undressed Joan Williams. And I'm like, but it's Joan Williams. <laughs> exactly. So then I kept watching and he kept doing it to everybody. He did it to Mitchell. He did it to maybe Mills. One, like, no, he's doing it to most okay. people he goes up Good. against. Um, so if you did like a stock watch or buy sell, yep. right now I'm buying Nelson Aguilar. Uh, Ooh, okay. Now, I would also say, um, as we as we kind of go through the receivers here, sexy position. We're talking about the offense struggling, blah blah blah. Um, the the rookie Tyquan Thornton, mm -hmm. intriguing. 
intriguing. Yeah, he's, he seems to be getting a little bit of buzz, especially with his speed. He talk, I know he talked to media and stuff like that, and he even said he, he wants to be more than just fast. Yep. He's like, I already know I'm fast. I want to be more than that. So um, he seems like he's fitting in at least. He, I'll, I'll tell you what. A, he gets down the field, which you'd hope with a guy that runs a 4-2-40. Uh, mm-hmm. Catches the ball really well over his shoulder. He made a catch today, one of those true, like, not even really tweets. Over- yeah, like it was over his head. It was like almost a lean all the way back, and the, and the ball got dropped right in the bucket. Like that Jim Edmonds, like, yes. kinda yes. center field catch. And and clear here, as we just talked about, beating Jalen Mills on the play, who is your number one corner. For whatever you think of Jalen Mills, he's your best cornerback. Yeah. Um, so good matchup for him. He, he's He's caught the ball well, I thought, though, at all levels. Like in cuts, out cuts, crossers. Like okay. he, he's... He has pretty good hands from what I've seen. So, okay. So now this begs the question and excuse my uh, bias in the question. Is it going to be, is his uh, speed actually going to be a threat? Has Mac Jones shown that he can actually throw a successful deep ball so far in practice? Yes. He's had ups and downs. I said the one earlier to Aguilar was underthrown. He's had some of those, um, but he's had some nice balls in the bucket. I will say, and you don't make this into a big thing. I'm just going to make I won't. Statement. I asked my question. I'm just going to take the answer, and we'll move to the next one. So go ahead. Uh, Zappy throws a nice deep ball. And I, I'd <laughs> actually honestly say the two days of padded practices, I thought Zappy did a better job running the offense and was the better quarterback. But we're not going to make a big deal no, no, out no. of that. But also, to, to his credit, I think Zappy also probably played in an offense that was more, is it, at least from what I understand, seems more like what they're running now. Like it that's probably be. what he came from. Now he's inconsistent. He also has the occasional yeah, head so scratcher like, scratcher throw that you're like, that's awful. That's yeah, he's a quarterback out of Western Kentucky. Of course he right. does. Like it's but um and, and, but again, he's a guy that threw what like 60 touchdowns, two touchdowns or something and like, like fifty six hundred yards. So yeah, he's yeah. I I can I can understand that he probably has can put some zip on the ball, but he's also gonna make some stupid mistakes. Yeah. So um other areas of the offense, Ramondre Stevenson, I continue to like catching the ball uh, out of the backfield. Um, actually, if you removed the, the balls that Mac Jones has thrown to Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris, you might remove most of Mac Jones's completions from the summer. He's been dumping the ball off to the backs or in the flats. And So I, I think I kind of expected that, though. Like, I think with the oh, change sure. in offense, I think they were trying to lean, like get the running backs, both of them, more involved in that receiving game, especially without a guy like James White in this yep. lineup. Um, so speaking of that, ha- is Ty Montgomery a factor at all, or is he basically po- like a, a possibility to get cut here um, by before the end of preseason? Well, I wouldn't rule him out getting cut, but I definitely think he could factor because he looks like he's very much in the mix Second tier receiver, like bottom of the depth chart receiver, certainly as a returner, he's lined up in the backfield some and caught it. So, yeah, I don't I don't think it's hard to envision him making the roster in a Brandon Bolden roster spot, not necessarily the same role or usage, but. Brandon Bolden was a core special teamer who, because he was a core special teamer, was also the backup third down back. Like, so I, I do think Ty Montgomery could have a role. I actually think Kevin Harris has caught the ball relatively well in some of his chances, who's the the bigger um, yep. rookie running back. I wouldn't read too much into that, just sort of yeah. noting that he's not he's not stone hands. He's not incapable uh, of doing that. I'm sure you've read it, and I don't put any stock in it, but John U. Smith has looked okay. He's looked yeah. athletic, caught the ball a little bit. He looked great last year in the summer. There's a reason I predicted to him to have 80 catches for a thousand yards. He looked really good. He looked like they were going to throw him the ball a lot. Um, so I'm not, he, he needs to get, he can do anything he, he wants needs to prove it on the field. Yeah. He, he, but even he needs to prove it on the regular season field. Oh yeah. yeah. Like week uh, one against Miami. If he comes out and gives you something, it's like, okay, I'll start buying it. Okay. But that's where I am with that. Um, the last aspect of the offense that I would talk about is the offensive line, which is um, interesting in a variety of ways. First of all, we continue with the Trent Brown left tackle, Isaiah Wynn right tackle. Isaiah Wynn spoke this week. Isaiah Wynn had a little back and forth with Phil Perry. He smiles a lot and says that's got nothing to do with me, which makes no sense. It has everything to do with you. You're the one they move positions with. Um, he's clearly not happy. Like he, He's not saying anything, but he, it, it, in his not saying anything, he's clearly not happy um, being at right tackle. Trent Brown has been dominant in one-on-ones. 
He, of course he has. It's, we, we, we've been saying this all along that that guy's the best lineman you have. But you got to get him dominant in September and October and make sure he stays on the yeah. field, not in one-on-ones in August. Um, the most interesting note of the week, it's never a good sign when I need to consult my roster when I want to talk about the person in question. Oh, but um, your boy, Michael Onwenu, has been obviously slotted in, penciled in at the right guard spot. Yep. Uh, until today, when he started losing reps to... Number 74, Arlington Hambright, who is now taking reps with the first unit at times at right guard in place of Mike Onwenu. Uh, Hambright, and good. he is a, a second-year player out of Colorado, 6'5", 315. I'm not going to pretend I know a whole hell of a lot about no, him. I know nothing. I've never even heard of the name. You could have you told me that guy was a Power Ranger, and I would have believed you. <laughs> I will say that your boy... You mentioned him. We're going for number four here with Bedard, who loves to give uh, wins and losses in one-on-one matchups. Um, did deem him the best offensive lineman of the day in, in the first wow. day of padded practice. And a day later, he's taking reps at right guard. So I'm going to guess Probably reason for he that. was right. Like, he worked hard. He won his one-on-ones. People noticed, and they said, okay. But my bigger point here is, A, we've talked about the house of cards. Like, mm-hmm. these are their starters, but Fragility who are the backup? Oh, my God. Well, maybe he'll be because he also takes the left guard reps with the second group. So maybe he becomes your like strong backup guard. Or I'd say this. Bill Belichick made it clear he didn't really want to play Mike on Wenu last year when he played Uh Ted Karras instead. Yep. Maybe he doesn't really like Mike on Wenu. And if this Hambright guy is any good, maybe he unseats him again. And all the pro football focus geeks will be like, oh, my God, he was the greatest rookie lineman ever. How could you not play him? I'm starting to wonder that Bill doesn't like him as much as any of y'all do. That's fine. I mean, I I can't claim to be the offensive line whisperer. Um, That may be true. Bill may not like him all that much. Another theory I'm going to toss at you. What if uh, Bill also senses the displeasure from Isaiah Wynn and he's preparing to kick on Wenu back out to tackle again because he has done that before? Is that a possibility? Could be. And then the obvious possibility is they're just building depth and versatility in the first week of training camp, which they've always done. And we may note tomorrow, maybe he's taking reps at left guard instead of Cole Strange or... Speaking of Cole Strange, how has he looked? Nah, fine. Like, really, I would say nondescript. Like, I haven't seen him kicking ass and dominating. I haven't seen him not, you know, like, getting his ass kicked and being dominated. He's been out there. Um, Okay, again, not to represent my bias, but does he look like a first-round guard? Um, Right now, no. Right now, no, because to me, okay. if you look like a first round guard and I know different spot in the order, but like people think Quentin Nelson or guys that come in and like dominate right away, yeah, you kick ass. He does not look like he's ready to kick ass mm-hmm. right now, but I don't I don't necessarily think that means he's not ready to compete at a at a, a high enough level to help. Yeah, you. it's also day two of pads. So yeah. like I understand I understand that I'm taking that with a grain of salt, but I had to ask the question. OK, we're 25 minutes in. Should we talk some defense at all? Uh, yeah, we can, let's, let's make it brief. Let's hold ourselves. We'll hold ourselves to four minutes of defense here. Four minutes. They're getting short shifted. Uh, we can talk about the defense later this week. The offense seems to be the big talker, uh, here. Give me your highlights on the defense so far. Who stands out to you as a positive? Let's start positive here. Who stands out? It's a great question. Oh, that doesn't uh, the, sound good. Well, no, you know what? I think the front has been pretty stout against the okay. offensive line. Two days of running now in full pads. And Devon Godshaw with his new contract. Lawrence Guy up front. Um, Josh Uche has been making a little bit of noise. Um, now, does it look like it's going to be Wise opposite Judon, or is it Uche? Uh, well, Wise has been... Um, a partial participant, I'll say. He's okay. He's, I think he's dealing with something. He's gotcha. not out there at the start of practice. I'm not sure he's done any team reps, oh, 11 wow, on okay. 11. Any so Uche's been out there uh, a decent amount. Um, you know, Raquan McMillan is clearly getting a lot of reps, and I've been a guy that I did think he would be. So is he getting like, reps opposite Judon, or is he playing linebacker? No, like he's linebacker. he's in the middle. Um, but okay. sometimes it's three linebackers on the field with Judon. Raquan McMillan and Bentley like Bentley had okay. a would-be sack today coming off the edge so I don't know if he's taking on a slight like high tower role where he's like off the ball but could be up as he's a pretty big guy so he could probably hold up on the end of the line to some degree so 
we'll see where that goes. I think that falls under like trying stuff, testing stuff. The other guy I want to ask about, just because I saw the quote from Belichick to Sirius XM, did Jelani Tyvai have anything to do with this defense? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. Um, and whether that says more about him or the defense, I don't know. Um, okay. he made a couple plays today, which stood out, popped into my head because I had seen the Belichick quote talking yep. to Sirius X. And so Bill clearly likes him. You know, it's interesting because it was similar to the Uche. Like he called him a piece of the puzzle or whatever, or something like mm-hmm. they're piecing this puzzle together. They're figuring out who a lot of these guys are on the front and even at cornerback. You know, I found it interesting today. So it's been primarily Mills and Mitchell as kind of your quote unquote. We're not supposed to call them starters, but they look like they're starters. Yeah. Um, today, they were going more with Butler and damn it. I'm drawing a blank on the other guy with some of the first reps and then rotating that second group in until they got to the red zone. When they got to the red zone, that number one group was back out there. So is it one of the Joneses or anything? Are they no, uh, the Joneses have been bumped down a little? Um, okay. Marcus was the was in the slot with Mitchell and Mills early in camp, but before okay. Jonathan Jones came off PUP. Since Jonathan Jones has come off PUP, looks like Jonathan Jones is right back in his slot spot. Even to some degree today, they had the first defense on one field and the backups on another, and Marcus Jones was on the other field. So he kind of okay. he was a placeholder for Jonathan Jones for a so couple days. So he seems there. like the backup slot corner at this moment kind of thing. Yes. Yes. But like so even Miles Bryant is back and getting reps. He's bumped early in the week before these guys were back cuz Miles Bryant was also on on PUP on our list whichever one he was. Um before he came back before Jones came back, Marcus Jones was getting reps, Sean Wade was getting a few reps. They're now over on sort of the the second field, the second unit group. Um So that starts to give you a picture of sort of the hierarchy in the back end. I will say today, Bill Belichick mentioned that he would like to get all four safeties on the field. We've talked about that, that all four safeties. Now, I don't know if Bill misspoke and he meant because Peppers is just getting back from the ACL. I actually think Bill may have meant get all four of them on the practice field at full health. Not on the field at the same time. The way he said it made it sound like he meant on the field at the same time. So we'll yeah. see where that goes because Peppers did say he's not full help. He's out there. He's off PUP, but he's he's limited. He's still taking mental reps and, and things of that nature. Um, so there's a lot of moving pieces on the defense. There are some guys that I think have shown some kind of like offensively, some intriguing um, individual plays, matchups. Yep. But I will say on the whole, if it were a competition, as Mac Jones points out, the defense has been more consistently good against the pass and the run. That's I, I got to tell you, that's surprising and and I, at least somewhat encouraging. I, I don't know if that's again, I don't know if that is uh, uh, in part because the offense is stunk or the defense is just being really good. I can't really tell. Um, maybe, maybe we may have a better idea next Thursday when we see them actually face a different team and, and get some more sense of what's going on. And and I do think that's where joint practices will also matter. A yes, lot of definitely. reps against other competition, other schemes, different faces. Because they've, t- like, Isaiah Wynn had a throwaway comment where he said, have you seen our defense? It's loaded. And I'm like, your defense is absolutely not loaded. Like, I, I know you're a good teammate, but if you think the best you're going to see at right tackle is only what you're seeing from your defense, then you're going to get your eyes open because you're going to face better players when you go against other competition. But it's all the... At, Judon said it. We're all each other has right now. Like now, like for Judon, when he goes up against Trent Brown, I do think if you beat Trent Brown, you can probably beat almost anybody. Whereas if Trent Brown kills Josh Uche, I don't know if that means Trent Brown's going to kill every pass rusher he goes against this year. Yeah. I'm not sure Josh Uche is an elite pass rusher. So it's part of the feeling out process. Yes. So sorry. It's more than four minutes. I'm done. No, that's fine. You know, I think we can move on. Uh, So I think next we might as well move on to the big news of the day, really. Uh, It just came out a couple hours ago, not to timestamp this or anything. But uh, the Miami Dolphins have officially been fined a 2023 first round pick, a 2024 third round pick, $1.5 million uh, to uh, owner Stephen Ross. Um, and it has nothing to do with uh, Brian Flores saying that Ross told him to throw games. In fact, it is all about the tampering with Tom Brady and Sean Payton. Andy, your thoughts? Um, well, the first thing I immediately do is I spin this 
to the Patriots perspective, because we're a six rings podcast. That's the Patriots. That's how I look at things. Been covering this team for 20 years. Um, so Tom Brady, before he left physically, was long gone mentally. Because mm-hmm. August of the year in which he was supposedly, at least in his final season for you, he was looking for his next job. He was Bill Parcells at the Super Bowl in 96, talking to the Jets. He was not invested in the 2019 season. So while the team and Bill Belichick are seemingly bending over backwards to make him happy, right? Signing Antonio Brown to a terrible contract, wasting Robert Kraft's money, trading a second for Mohamed Sanu, who was supposed to be the squeeze and the juice oh. and was neither. Tom Brady was already, already moved on. Like Out the I keep going back to this song. You know, I liked this song. I think I've told you before that country was it over for you. That was popular. Like Sam Hunt and Sasha, somebody, when yep. was it over? Well, now we know when it's over. He was in that camp. He was already gone. He was still in a Patriots uniform. He still had a Patriots logo on. He was long gone. And I find this funny in that. So after that season, he leaves. He goes to Tampa. And a lot of Patriots fans went with him. They were rooting for Tom. And he didn't care about you in 19, never mind in 20. And you're going to follow him somewhere. He left you early. And he had the choice. Like, the Dolphins, I don't fault. Yeah, try to get Tom Brady. Try to get Try to get anybody you can. The Dolphins are so close. Like, they had so many other pieces, and they did a great job, to their credit, this offseason of acquiring more. And really, the missing piece is the great quarterback. Whether We don't know if two is going to be that. We doubt it. But if you got Tom Brady, the pieces are there. You're a Super Bowl contender. But Tom Brady doesn't have to listen to them. He doesn't have to talk to them. Clearly, he did. Clearly, he was at least – intrigued and i well we have photo evidence friend of the show uh had tweeted out photo evidence at the time of him at a dolphins party like it's not like of course he was talking to them uh the way i look at this is if i'm sitting at a bar i'm traveling sitting at a bar and a hot blonde sits next to me and starts flirting i'm married i have a couple choices i can you know what? I need to uh, I need to see myself out of this situation right now. I think my wife's calling me. Right. Or I can keep talking and keep flirting and, yes, and you can. be somewhat interested or somewhat engaged. And to me, Tom Brady was interested, engaged. He was not all in on his wife. He was still married. Not really his wife, Giselle. I'm talking yes. this is still hypothetical. Hypothetical. Like he was still married to the Patriots, but he wasn't. He was only like he had to play out that season on paper, but emotionally he was gone and this flies in the face of his like i'm gonna give up my life to beat you and i'm all in you weren't all in you're a fraud you're an absolute fraud you were talking to the dolphins so bill parcells is hated by patriots fans because he wasn't all in in that super bowl against the jets anybody gonna turn on tom brady because he wasn't all in while he was still wearing your logo yeah yeah that's tough i mean it's (laughs) I still love the guy. I don't know. Uh, of course you do. All yeah. you guys do because you're in a cult. You're cult no, I'm followers. I'm you hey Kool Aid, and you die for the guy, and no. he would not die for you. And I never said I would die for the guy. I just I think he's amazing. That's all. I don't. Yeah. I'm not Fitzy here. Except I'm not sucking his toes. He's a bit but, fraudulent. Because then, oh, yeah, he's then, very fraudulent. Then he starts hooking up with the babe that he met at the bar. And as soon as he's hooking up with her, he's cheating on her with the dolphins. Like, it's a whole just like disgusting. It's a mess. It's a and, mess. And the fact that Sean Payton's tied into it, too, yeah. to me, is wild. Is tremendous. And the dolphins are idiots, too. Because, like, I don't care about tampering. I always generally think there's a lot of talking that goes on in all industries, not just football. Yeah. Like, people talk to is- share agents. This is similar to the Spygate penalty, too, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. It's almost identical. It, it is. I think I the money's mean, a little bit more. And but yeah, that's I think it, the right? Patriots I think money was only same, a million. Though, right? It was only a million for the Patriots. This is a million five. Yeah. And the and other it, guy got something inflation. too. So, yeah, well, that's probably accurate. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, was it Beal, right? Yeah. Is he the guy? Well, he was the guy that I it think was, was half actually a mil? doing the talking because he's a Michigan, like there's a ties to yeah. Brady, something. Um, which is why he got hit with a separate fine than Stephen Ross, a separate fine. And he is not allowed to take part in any kind of meetings or anything too. He kind of got a suspension. Yeah. Not that it matters really. He's sort of a distant sort of side partner to the whole operation. I I mean, right now, if I'm the Patriots, I'm a little TO'd. If I'm the bucks, I guess I'm not because you knew it was happening. And plus he won us the Super Bowl. Like the Patriots. He and he sucked. stayed, by the way. 
Right. But the Patriots, he sucked. Yeah. That the end of that season into the postseason. Oh, yeah, 2019 right offense was six, garbage. And he sucked. And he was sulky McSulk sulk. He if you remember, he was yep. the most miserable eight and oh quarterback in NFL history, right? Yep. So he was I called him sulky McSulk sulk. People didn't like it. He was. He's also Froddy McFraud fraud. So uh, also the other the other part of this that we need to bring up is that this immediately comes on the heels of the Deshaun Watson uh, suspension. Now, yeah. is this this has to be planned by the NFL, right? They knew what they were going to punish the Dolphins with. They just never announced it. And then as soon as the Deshaun Watson news came out the next day, they dropped the Dolphins news to try and cover it up. Certainly feels weird and convenient. And I mean, not to go too much into the Watson thing. From a Patriots perspective, he's suspended six games, so he'll miss just, your game. Just enough. As long as nothing changes, yes, your game is the last game he'll miss. Um, but it just feels like, for me, the Watson was just all one big negotiated exit strategy. We have this scandal. I want to be back on the field. You want me back on the field. I'm a star quarterback. Like, how do we get through this in a way that, Works for everyone, but looks like we're actually addressing it. And that's how I, yep. I think this all played out. Because you remember 100%. there were reports of, oh, he's going to get a year-long indefinite suspension. There was never a chance of that. I said well, I said like a month and a half ago uh, on the Greg Hill Show that this was going to be between four and six games. Like they were going to the, – the Sue Robinson was going to hand out her penalty. The NFL was going to say, see, we had like an outside arbiter decide – Here's the penalty. We're not going to argue with it. She decided that. That's fine. And we're going to roll with it. And I, I think it all hinged on when Des Deshaun Watson and the PA reportedly made it clear, if it's anything crazy, we'll go scorched earth. We will yep. sue. We will appeal. And we will bring in every organization that has any black eye attached to it. And we will we will tear you down from the inside. That's why this Dolphins thing had to wait, right? Correct. Because if the penalty was too harsh on Watson, they were going to come at the NFL about the, the Dolphins thing. And 100%. the NFL would have needed to come down harder on the Dolphins. But because everybody was, okay, th it seems like both sides, NFL and Deshaun's camp, are okay with the six-game suspension. We'll just hand out our penalty to the Dolphins and we'll blow this over. Yeah. So I do think it's, it's convenient that it's back-to-back -back days here. And now I will say... <laughs> It's so funny, and people are going to get mad at me for bringing this up, but whatever. It's the facts. Um, how many scandals can Tom Brady have in his career and still be seen as, like, the golden boy? I was thinking that today. I was like, wait a minute. This guy was involved in def Spygate, technically, Deflategate, and now tampering. Right. I mean, if the only thing that's left is you could somehow find out he was involved with Bountygate was Peyton yeah. <laughs> and the, like somehow was involved in the, it'd be like every scandal centers around Tom Brady or he's yep. and yet he's seen as like the golden boy the perfect one never does anything wrong and it's like well because at the end crap. of the day everybody's just going to blame the Dolphins for this they're not going to blame Tom Brady or Sean Payton they're just yeah, going to blame the Dolphins which is it's not it's it's absolutely partly Tom Brady's fault I completely agree with you like I look at Bill Belichick and I think there are certain people that since Spygate, Deflategate, like they look at him as Bella cheat. Yep. He cheats. Like, like, I don't feel like any of that is really stuck to Teflon Tom. Like no, everything just slides right Don. off. Yeah. It's unreal. And, and I'm not saying he's the worst cheat in history no. or he's built on just cheating. I'm not saying that. But, but he the general bulletproof. He does. He's like he's treated like a saint, and some of the biggest scandals of modern football are his. Yes. Like, well, no, the biggest scandals of modern football outside yeah. of Bounty Gate, the biggest scandals in modern football have been about him. But how come no one seems to care? I don't know. I'm not really he smiles, sure. He's pretty, like he wins. He's nice. I, like, I don't I, he wins. I guess I come back to the idea that winning cures everything, but, but Belichick won too, and they still called him Belichick. That's true. I, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not sure. It's you know what weird. I think this is an example of quite honestly, you know how they say like pretty people have it easier in life. Yeah. I think Tom Brady's the perfect bill. Belichick is a grumpy, no offense, Bill. You're not the most attractive man on the planet. Sorry, Linda. I know you love him, but I don't think he'd qualify as a, as a male model. Yeah. I think this is like an example of society treats pretty people differently. I don't, I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you because I don't have an answer myself. And like if he were Randy Johnson, I think the world would come down upon him. If he were Brett Favre, the world would have yeah. hammered him. 
Right, but because he's pretty boy Tom Brady, it's all fun and games, even though he cheats, he cheats, he cheats. We got to suspend him. We got to find him. He's involved in this. Like, what are we doing here? Anyway, sorry, move on. It's okay. Uh, we can move on now to Pat's Paris, where we go around uh, a couple quick fire. Yeah, exactly. Andy's favorite part of the show here. A couple quick fire things uh, about the Patriots. First off, we talked, you guys, you and, you and Fitzy talked about the Devon Godshaw extension last week. Yep. And now we have another extension. Bill Belichick really feeling in the mood of handing out money. This came out yesterday. Jake Bailey gets an extension, the punter. I, for one, think this is dumb. Why are we paying a punter $4 million a year or whatever it is? Uh, Bill, I've seen Belichick find punter after punter and never have an issue. Um, so this to me is actually kind of surprising. I know it technically frees up cap space, but at the same yeah. time, it's confusing to me. I don't quite get it. So what do you make it, of this? It lowers his cap number, I think 1.85 million, something like that for this year. He was set to make just under 4 million based on the fact that he was all pro pro bowl. It's almost yep. an NBA like escalator. He was yeah. good. And Bill actually talked about this today and I found his comment very interesting. So I'm going to read a portion of it. Go um, good to get that worked out. The way that the system, the NFL salary system works in his particular situation. It was a little bit unique. We hadn't dealt really dealt with that before. But ultimately, with Jake and his agent, Doug Hendrickson, we were able to work it out, so it was good to get that done. Sort of a unique situation. Took some time, but they were great, and we had great communication, lengthy talks, blah, blah, blah. Everybody who thought there was a chance he might get cut, I think they were right. Bill was not going to pay $4 million for the punter. I think they had to work through this and extend it and lower the cap number. Bill did not want a $4 million punter on his books, certainly coming off a terrible year, which I yeah. know he was injured, but it was a bad year. Um, I thought Bill was very emphatic there and like the, whatever their, their pay structure is on a, on this year's basis, he was above it and they weren't going to pay that out. So um, I think it's good for them because from what I've seen in the spring and early summer, Jake Bailey's ready to come back and be the all pro that he was a couple years ago. That's good news. And... <laughs> Since the offense looks like crap, he may get lots of opportunities to flip the field and change the field uh, position. So um, I think this is good for everybody. I think he's a good punter. I don't think it's a crazy contract. I understand what you're saying, but it's really pittance money in the scheme of yeah, 200, $225 million like, to salary me, caps. Belichick could have just identified a guy in this draft he liked. Like, it, Say, for instance, he actually liked the punt god, Matariza. Yep. And he could have drafted him and been like, yeah, I'm just going to start my rookie rookie punter. I'll cut the $4 million guy, pay this guy a couple hundred grand, and we'll move on. Because that's wow. just – that normally – He would have made more than a couple hundred grand. I mean, the rookie minimum is what, 700 grand now or something? Even in the fourth round? Oh, yeah. There's oh, the, okay. the – Okay, yeah, so yeah, – no. Okay, so, so I he, mean, but regardless, so it's still a difference point, between – But he took 3.9 down to 2.1 – He's going to have to pay the rookie 700,000, Now the difference is only 1.2 to 3 million. I know this guy's an True. all pro. I know he can do it. I know he can do it in the cold and he can do it yeah. here in New England. Yeah, that's fair. I get it. I mean, I just, I, I feel like his entire career, Belichick has done a very good job at identifying punters. So it's just like, I don't know. Mm, I think to that's me. a little overrated. His dad once told people if they could get rid of Ken Walter, then they'd actually be a really good team or whatever. He ripped the punter. Well, all right then. Um, uh, so speaking of guys that the Patriots may or may not or should target, uh, we got a tweet, Andy. Yes. From at Quality Smoke, Six <laughs> oh, Rings Pod. Not a lot of positive buzz about the Patriots linebacker core. Should yeah. they spend next year's free agency money now and make a trade for Roquan Smith? He's an elite middle linebacker in his prime, which is something seldom available. Now, we, I feel like, have been more positive about the linebacking court today than normal uh, and then uh, more po positive than a lot of other positions today. Um, but, Andy, do you think a move for Roquan Smith is A, a good idea, and B, feasible? Um, I think it's unlikely. I'll start with the second part first. Okay. I think it's very unlikely. Um I think he's going to get good money. I know he's been in talks yeah. with the Bears for an extension. I liked him coming out as a you know the atypical, not a Patriots linebacker a couple of years ago because it's a good linebacker. Yeah, like I like his style. I think he's a good player. Um, I just think Bill probably looks at this as do I want to like spend money, make a trade, like invest all of that, or draft my own version of him? Now they may also be selling themselves on. 
um, their Ro- Raekwon, not Roquan, their Raekwon McMillan veteran yep. and Cam McGrone are going to be 80 cents on the dollar on that guy. I don't have to trade for him. I don't have to pay him. I do think they're trending toward athletic linebackers. I think it's a slow process here. Dante Hightower's exit is part of it, certainly. Kyle Van Oy, Jamie Collin, like the bigger they're, – they're going to trend out of those, although Tavai is kind of big, who Bill seems to like. Um, but, no, like I love the idea. Like just me, Andy Hart, the GM, would probably do it because I like fast playmaking linebackers, um, yeah. depending on the price, obviously. I don't know what it would cost you trade and dollars to get it done but i would love to have a guy like that yeah in the middle of my defense because if you tell me i have barmore i have godshaw who they like sure. more than i do but whatever he's a fire hydrant he's a big yep. space eater i have an ed- edge guy in judon who's a three-time pro bowler and now i add like a runaround linebacker i'm starting to put together Cook a with gas a little bit yeah yeah I'm it, it, to feel good I would love a guy like Roquan McMillan. I think he's very talented. I think he would be excellent for any defense. The issue is, is I look at it like, well, the Patriots didn't really want to make a run at Bobby Wagner at all. And that doesn't cost you any assets except money. With Roquan Smith, you have to use assets and then pay him money. So I understand he's much younger and and probably a little bit more athletic. But in just in my head, if you're not even going to inquire about Bobby Wagner, I can't imagine that they would waste uh, money and assets to go get Roquan Smith. Even yeah, the one really difference like would be for him, he's a four-year player, like yeah. your you're middle of career. And I was just checking. He's had, based on, these are pro football reference numbers, but 98 and 95 tackles the last two years when he's started every single game for the Bears on defense, 16 a year ago, 17 the year after. He puts up the crooked numbers. I think, yeah, second team all pro. I mean, you're talking about a young Bobby Wagner. shit guy, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there might be, like, the cost will be higher because you have to trade for him and give him a huge contract, but you can sell yourself on... I'm if I did it right the now, centerpiece of my defense for at least five years. So mm-hmm. I'll get years, years five through nine in his career, maybe more than that. You know, I might get, but even just if I'm being, you know, maybe it's he starts to wear down or whatever on the back end, you're getting the prime of his career type linebacker in the middle of your defense that you're trying to rebuild and sort of do on yeah. the fly. But we've spent a lot of time talking about it. I don't think it's very likely. So the other guy I actually noticed today is also on the market. Um, and the price probably is coming down because no teams have shown interest. Do you have any interest at all in a guy like Deion Jones in Atlanta? Like I know he is the Atlanta has made him available, but they have no intention of cutting him. So is there any chance Belichick would take a flyer on a guy he has seen in a Super Bowl play really well, but who has struggled in recent years? Um, for the right price, absolutely. I am on the record. Um, now it may have course been in that Super Bowl. Yeah, I believe I said. Deion Jones can play for me any day. Um, Kid can fly. Kid could fly. Like, he was awesome. If he were just available and I could sign him, certainly. Like, do you think Belichick would do, like, a five for seven pick swap? Like, he gives up five, gets a seven, and um, Deion Jones? The only thing I'm not aware of is his contract. Uh, I can tell you that in two seconds. Hold on. Yeah, because I like the player. I think he – if you're trending towards athletic linebackers – I think you can do worse than Deion Jones, and he's so made the contract some, right now. Uh, he is in. He is yes. So his his salary base salary nine point six million uh, this year. Next year would be just shy of twelve million. Yeah, it's not horrific. It's not unreasonable, but at the same time, it's good money. Not great. Yeah. I mean, like, but the Falcons. I'm pretty sure in the report, and I may be wrong, but I'm pretty sure in the report the Falcons have stated that they would probably eat, or at least the report is that they would eat some of that money. Okay. So if, if you could like, if you could get, if you give up a fourth, you get seventh in Deion Jones and the Falcons, let's say they eat half of that or even a third of that. So he's only five or 6 million. Now, does it sound more appeasing to you? Yeah. And I was just double checking. Um, Cause I'm not going to pretend that I followed him completely uh, closely. Yeah. He started 16 games in each of the last three years. Yeah. And I so, understand he wasn't very, he wasn't as good as he had been the last two years. Um, he wasn't that great. The, uh, but at the same time, the, he's young enough where there's still a lot of potential there. We know the athleticism, like yeah. if the contract isn't that bad, 
You might be okay. He's a uh, wait. Is Jason Rosenhaus related to Drew Rosenhaus? So they same firm. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so he's a Rosenhaus guy. Which every Belichick Patriot knows how to do is a Rosenhaus with. guy. Yeah, yeah exactly. they are. They're kissing cousins. They're on great terms. Yeah, his numbers fell off last year, but not like he had no interceptions. He had had an, at least an interception uh, every year of his career. Wow. Including uh, five of them returned for touchdowns. I didn't know that. Um, playmaker Athlete. with the ball in his hands. But he had 137 tackles last year. He still had two sacks, eight tackles for a loss, four QB hits. Like, like that's usable. You. Like that's still good numbers. That would be by far an away. And that's that also Patriots on linebacker. an Atlanta team that stunk. They right. were so bad. So, uh, yeah, I'd be all in for Deion Jones because, as I said years ago, I proclaimed I'm all in on Deion Jones, and I'd still yeah. like to see him in a Patriots uniform. And I I'd like to see that type of player in a Patriots uniform, I, and I'm not I think sold. That's, and I think that's so much more realistic than a Roquan Smith, right? Roquan Smith's yes. cost is so high where – Atlanta's trying to just get rid of Deion Jones. So right. if you could get him for a middle round draft pick or something along those lines, yes, or even like a couple middle round yes, draft picks like that, you're cooking with some gas. Especially if there's some uh, flexibility with the contract, either with yes. him, with them, whatever, however that would work out. Uh, I'd be intrigued by that. Uh, can I offer up one? Yes, please. Okay. So from my side of the table, um, our friends at BetQL did one of those, uh, and I'm going to be honest with you, and this is not a shot at our friends at BetQL. This is a shot at these simulations, but they did one of those. Well, we simulated 10,000 times, and here's what the results were. I don't know if I trust those computers or those simulations or the Maddens or any of that crap, but yep. I'll give you the results from BetQL running 10,000 simulations of the season. Your New England Patriots, here's where I take a shot at BetQL, finish with eight and a half wins. You're not allowed to finish with eight and a half wins. You either no. finish with nine wins or you finish with eight wins. So I'll just give them the benefit of the doubt and say they think the Patriots are a nine-win team, nine and eight on the season. Um, they give the Patriots, based on their 10,000 simulations, a 32% chance to go to the playoffs and 11% chance to win the division, which yep. I would say the 11% seems high. Josh Allen it must have died in some of those simulations. Um, so... Well, first of all, one thing I don't love of their simulations, they don't have a single team winning more than 11 and a half games. They have the Bills at 11 and a half games. That's the highest win total. I would bet your soul that some team in the NFL wins at least 12 games this year. Some team. Uh, yeah. Andy, I would also make that bet. Like, yeah, I, I don't use, know if that's a real bet. I could, well. Like, if I could yep. bet that anywhere, just to anybody, one of the 32 teams will win 12 games. Yeah. Seems like. The lock of all locks. Uh, I mean, uh, look at the divisions that Green Bay and Tampa Bay are in. Like, one of those two teams has to win 12 games. I mean, Green I Bay has think. done, Green Bay has won 13 games three years in a row. It's not yeah, like it, I understand. I understand they traded Devontae Adams. I get it. But their defense has improved, and it's still Aaron Rodgers is a back to back MVP. So Plus, it's like you don't to win the bet. You don't need Green Bay to do it. You just need you just need anybody. Yeah. So it could be the Cowboys. It could be the Eagles. It could be the Rams. It could be the Bucks. Anybody. It could be the Bills. It could be literally anyone. A Bill like I just the, it, it could be the Bengals. It could be the Ravens. It could be the Chargers. It 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 stunned me that they didn't have anybody in this day and age. Like I'd like to go back and look. When was the last time? I'm gonna laugh my ass off for somebody's tweets in. Actually, two years ago, nobody was like no because you're right. The the Packers have done it three done straight it three years. years in a row. Yeah, but. I just feel like every year somebody wins that many games. I'm curious if there was even a year where like a team didn't win at least 12 games. Yeah, I, I can't imagine, but maybe I'm missing something here with their simulations. But um, the, the good news for Patriots fans, while you research that quickly, is that yep. they do have the Patriots in second place in the in the AFC East with eight and a half wins, just better than the Dolphins, who they have at eight wins and having only a 28% chance to make the playoffs. But the thing that disappoints me is it's like there's nothing really overly um, unique about this. I think every I mean, Vegas has set the Patriots at eight and a half wins, right? Oh, yep. so you put them right at eight and a half wins with your little like you don't go over, you don't go under. Um, everybody thinks the Dolphins and the Patriots may be fighting for second place and they might dog it out for a playoff spot. So it is what it is. It's a nice it, simulation. This research, by the way, is made very easy by the fact that the Patriots have won 12 or more games every year, like <laughs> basically since right. like 2000 and, and 2000. 
Right. So it's, and when it's, when they stopped, the Packers started the last yep. couple of years, right? Like they pick up the slack. That like I think it's been a while since a team hasn't won twelve games. Okay. I really oh, I thought I had one, but I thought it was two thousand two. But Philly, Green Bay, and Tampa all won twelve games that year. Three. Yeah. Three of them. Um, yeah. It's. I mean, I'm back to two thousand and uh, so two thousand three of them again. No, four of them. Like, yeah. So this is. I mean, it can't. I don't even know if there's ever been an NFL. It probably, season. it probably has, but we just proved that prior to the 16 plus. game schedule is probably yeah. when the last time it was. And oh, by the way, we're in a 17 game schedule now, so you have an extra yes. opportunity to win a 12th game. It's even more likely now. Correct. Okay. Um, but yeah, so Patriots eight and a half wins according to BetQL in their simulations. 32 percent chance to make the playoffs. What say you about their 32 percent chance to make the playoffs? Accurate. Uh, it's it's pretty close. I would say just a smidge high. I'd be more closer to the 25% range than the 33% range. That's just my opinion. But I mean, it's in it's, it's a couple percentage points. So sure. I think it's weird that they have like a higher percentage or a close. Yeah. A higher percentage than a team like the Raiders. I understand that the Raiders play in the AFC West, but to me, that roster is just far and away better. Like I look right. at the Raiders offense and I go, how the hell do you get them off the field on third down? Whereas I look at the Patriots offense and I go, how the hell do they convert on a third down? <laughs> or how do they get I, the other team off the field on third down? Right. So like, I just, I look at that and that to me is confusing, but like, I, sure. If you want to give them a third of the, the 30% chance to, to make the playoffs fine, I guess that works. I probably would have been not significantly, but comfortably over that number. Uh, okay. Before camp started, uh, <laughs> based on the last few days and based on people that I think are actually optimists being negative about what they've seen, um, yeah. it's accurate or might be a little high. <laughs> yeah, that does. That's that's not boating well. No, no. So um, uh, one, is there a team on here that surprises you with their win total at all? Um, I don't know how deeply you've looked into this. I mean, um, go ahead. Can I just be like. I like the Bengals. I think it's a disappointment if the Bengals only win 10 games. Like, I know there's this weird thing with Joe Burrow where he had that surgery for his appendix or whatever he had out. And now, like, they're talking about why does he still have an IV in and blah, blah, blah. But I'm sorry. I I really like the Bengals, and I think they will win more than 10 games. But I've been wrong before, and I know people are counting on the uh, Super Bowl hangover for them. So, and Yeah, I, I am I'm in that division. I don't see how the Baltimore Ravens lose less than nine and a, like lose or don't win more than nine and a half games. To me, I mean, if Lamar Jackson's on the field, I they're not losing. I mean, they had eight games, they had eight wins before he got hurt last year. Right. Uh, they were the number one team in football before he got hurt. So I just I understand that a lot of the rest of the league got better, but they're going to be playing an easier schedule because they didn't finish in first in their division. And so to me, I, I just, I don't see how they win less than nine and a half games. Um, and one that stood out to me only because I listened very closely to our station mm -hmm. and there was a bet QL promo. And I don't remember the guy's name. You might know him. He wasn't the, the, uh, the Costos guy. He was his yep. fill in. Um, okay. Is it like Ryan Horvat or one of them? Maybe I want to say Quentin it was like Mayo. I don't know, but okay. the person went with the um, Panthers to make the playoffs. They loved the value of it. And then what? the BetQL simulation has the Panthers. 9%. <laughs> yeah. Like what? The Panthers stink. They have Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. No, thank uh, you. Yeah. What? So that made uh, me By laugh. the way, I have the answer to our uh, last time. There was not a 12 win team. When was can that? You, can you take a guess? Uh, we're saying non-strike year. Um, this may have been a strike year now that I look at it. So, 1989 or eight in there. 1982. That was a strike year. Yeah. Yes. That was a strike so year. There was, so that doesn't there was, count. So there were only nine games played that yeah. year. The highest, highest win total was eight. The Redskins were yeah. eight and one. And that team's going to win 12 games in a real season. If they go eight and one over nine, that's when, um, yep. the kicker won the MVP. I believe the oh, Redskins okay. kicker was the league MVP that year. Cause it was a strike season and he won games for him. I don't know the whole story, but. Even yeah. in a season where there was only 14 games, I'm still okay. I found oh nope. Hold on. Hold Jesus. on. Jesus. Yeah, I'm still still scrolling here. Uh that's 12. Uh yeah. So I'm into a point in time where there are only 14 games played in the regular season, and there is still a tw at least one 12 win team every single okay, season. So and I'm I'm all the way to 19. Okay, I found it. 1971. 
Jesus. Was the last time there was in a non-strike year that there was not a 12-win team. There were one, two, two 11-win teams and a couple 10-win teams, but no 12-win teams. So you're getting a little sample view into why I don't trust computers and analytics. Yes, 100% agree with you. Shouldn't something that is simulating an NFL season take into account past NFL seasons in the computer? Like uh, yes, the computer should say, if we don't end up with twelve a 12-win 12 team, it means we're going counter to 50, 60 years of NFL history. We need to tweak, yeah, we need to tweak our simulation somehow. We're, we're not valuing something enough. We're not right. You're not giving, you're not being realistic. This is why I hate computers. No. Well, and so, and so I, I bet you all is primarily a gambling website. And so as a gambler being the biggest degenerate at our station, uh, I can tell you that it's it's stupid to only the, the thing is is you cannot only use computer projections you have to use actual factual numbers too because right. something like 50 years without a season that has no 12 win teams stupid tells you there is going to be a team that wins 12 games right especially now where it's a 17 game season i don't care how good the rest of the nfl is so tweak your simulation. Like when you get to the end agree. and this happens, you got to re like, don't email it's it out. It's like when you tried to make a formula uh, for defensive players, like a passer rating and JJ Watt wasn't number one. You're like, ah, I got to start from scratch. JJ Watt sucked. Crumple that piece of paper up and start Throw over with away. something fresh. It's not yep. right. Yes. hundred exactly. percent. Okay. Since we're uh, over an hour here and corporate likes us to keep these to 45 minutes. Sorry. Probably, we went long uh, today. Start to wrap this Sorry, up. We've it, had a couple short episodes lately. So today we went nice and long for you. Damn right. We go long and strong during the preseason. The Patriots are scuffling a bit, I think, would be a way to put it early in training camp. The offense doesn't look great. Mac Jones is talking about having to figure it out, the new offense. But the reality is tomorrow's another day, Wednesday, another day, maybe in pads. Uh, one thing that Bill Belichick will probably be happy with as he builds his team this week Temperatures in Foxborough are expected to hit as high as like 97 or 99 later in the week. There's so, a chance um, it gets to 100 on Thursday, yeah. Andy. Uh, so the Trent Browns and the big bodies of the world, make sure you hydrate. And in all seriousness, my guess is, Bill, Thursday, I believe, is the day when um, it's really supposed to be hot. My guess is that'll be a non-padded practice where Bill might pull back a little bit because um, we're not in the Bear Bryant days of the junction boys where like you yep. don't give them water and you make them work out nonstop in the heat because you know people die and yes. uh, tragedies happen it has happened in the nfl so they've learned with history um, but it's training camp it's patriots and six rings and football things is there on a daily basis to be your eyes your ears for example my ears heard a certain coach um not happy with a certain rookie defensive back a fourth round corner who may or may not have the last name Jones, who didn't appear to be paying attention. And it was oh like a kindergarten class. Are you paying attention? What did I just say? Um, so we're here for everything, everything that goes on at training camp. He's Chris Scheim. I'm Handy Hart, Handy Andy Hart here. And <laughs> Nick Fitzy Stevens is enjoying a Miller Light on a beach somewhere on the Cape. And Amen. I'm not happy, <laughs> that bastard. I should be doing the same damn thing on my boat, but instead I'm doing a podcast with you because we love our listeners. And we should say we appreciate all the downloads, all the listeners, uh, corporate, as I mentioned, very happy with the podcast and the foundation we have set, but we want to build upon it. So please subscribe, follow, get us through the Odyssey app, get us through Apple podcasts, wherever you want to get us, just get us, listen, rate us, tell a friend, because I promise you it is going to be a, an interesting year, an interesting season of coverage for your New England Patriots and six rings will be there the entire way. For Chris Scheim, I'm Andy Hart. Until later in the week, peace out. See ya.